technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics, and did I leave a letter out? S, science. Yeah. And we're so privileged to have a not only a rock star musician, but an up-and-coming scientist that is going to share with us a little bit about world-changing non-recreational use of mushrooms and the whole fungi uh, industry. We have with us today in our studio, we coming to you from downtown San Diego, and what's your name again? Morgan Rockwell. Morgan Rockwell. Sounds like some type of drink I would get at the end of a great day. Man, I had such a great day. Pour me a Norman Rockwell. Norman, it's great to have you in <laughs> studio today. Um, how, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We've known each other about, I would say what? Six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, some weeks. I think in months. Two months, two, two and, months. and a half months, two yes. three months. And, uh... You, you're kind of growing on me. You kind of annoy me when I first met you. But uh, thanks for your honesty. Um, I, I, you're an acquired taste. Yeah. But the more that I learn about you, your capabilities, your accomplishments, and that's what we're going to talk about today. What's important to you, and what you can tell us about this world-changing, uh, non-recreational use of mushrooms. Yeah. For so, sure. So. Um, and you own a company called uh, Microsoft, is that right? No, Microsoft. Microsoft. You gotta. Myco. Get, you gotta get that first acronym right, or I'll get sued by Bill Gates. And, How do you spell Paul. that? M Y C O S O F T. Myco, which is short for mycology, oh the study my of fungi. Did I screw up today? I thought I was in. I thought I was with some Microsoft guy. Yeah. You know, maybe get some benefits maybe here. Maybe one day. Why Myco? Um. I think it is the closest word to representing the science of fungi. Like, fungi really reminds people of the mold on their toes. So it's kind of a scary, dirty-sounding word. And then mushrooms really ignite this idea of psychedelia in people's mind. When, when you study fungi, you're called a mycologist. And mycology is the, the science of fungi. And um, I think the word myco is the best four-letter symbol of the industry that we could get. M-Y-C-O. Yes. Okay. Far out. Far out. Okay. What I would like to have you do right now, uh, your name's Daisy? <laughs> Morgan. Morgan. It's just like Captain sort of, Morgan, you know? Sort of summarize. We're going to talk a bit today, but just summarize the takeaway. Let's say one of our listeners has to go away like in about the next 90 seconds. Yeah. What would you want them to take away from our time today? Um, I think my mission now is to educate the world on the existence of fungi. I think most of the world doesn't realize that fungi exists underneath their feet, in their nose, on the ground, in the air. And I think, unfortunately, we're not even taught of the fact that it's there. So if I could bring awareness to the to the masses. I guess I didn't ask this clearly. I'm sorry to cut in here, but you're working on some amazing technology, right? Yes. Let's can you just summarize that in like about 90 seconds? Yeah, we're building the tools to study mushrooms and fungi out in the field instead of in the laboratory. 
So just like trees and bugs and cows are outside, um, unfortunately, fungi get studied in a petri dish in a lab too much. It needs to get studied out in the dirt next to the trees with, with the deer walking around it. And I think the tools are missing for that to be done. So that's what we're working on at Microsoft. Tools to do what? Do you dig them up? Like farm tools? Do you need hose? Can I buy this stuff at Home Depot? What, what are we talking about tools? Here? Well, I'll, I'll summarize it like... Um, in 1849, men wanted to go find gold in the rivers in San Francisco. And the guys that sold the pickaxes and the shovels made more money than the gold that came out of the ground. A fungi is very valuable tissue. Truffles are, are worth four to $10,000 a couple grams of mushroom that is found under the ground. you got to dig it up and find it. you got to train a pig or a dog to go smell it. Now, if we could have a machine that could smell a truffle, if we could have a machine that could take those spores and regrow them at home, like in your garden, or if we could have a machine that is collecting spores in the wind and telling you if some dangerous fungi has blown in front of your house or your farm, um, those tools are useful to the world if they exist. Right now, we're building those tools because, unfortunately, they don't really exist. Okay. So would you say this is kind of like a minesweeper for valuable mushrooms that can be used for your technology, which, if I get it right, if I've listened to you correctly over the weeks, produces energy, renewable energy. Is that right? Um, yeah. In, in a sense, there's so many different fungal things that can be done with different fungal organisms. It's a very broad thing to say that a mushroom could be used for this or a certain fungi could be used for this. And, and really... What we're trying to solve initially is what's out there, where to store it, and how to give it back to people. Once that kind of becomes an industry norm, then we start finding what mushrooms are useful for food or for medicine or for industrial things. And, and then, unfortunately, I have a very mad science long-term view of, of mushrooms. And the long-term view would be growing materials, growing electronics, growing batteries, growing light bulbs. The, the conductivity of a mushroom is very important, but that is some, unfortunately, very far off science. It needs a lot of science and a lot of engineering and a lot of tools to understand that potential. Right now, we just think of mushrooms as food, as medicine, as poison, but in reality, they're electrical beings that we can grow and, and grow into certain things we want to use. Now, uh, fantastic. So, you really wouldn't work with it once you get it. You pretty much want to identify it, harvest it, and then some other smart people around the world. For for example, what's re getting really big now uh, as an athlete, I do triathlons, is the nutritional value of, of mushrooms. Yeah. And like you shared with me uh, when we first met, don't eat portobello mushrooms. Now, why do I not want to eat portobello mushrooms? Um, Viagra. Okay, as an athlete, the Viagra of, mushroom of may have the some Himalayas, protein in so, it, but um, there's that the mushroom nutritional value. For some reason no, gets your blood pumping, but also oxygenates the blood and wakes you up. That mushroom is used. There are mushrooms as an athlete. Many you want to eat now, like at coffee shops. That's the mushroom you should be eating insects. If you're an athlete, now they were being farmed on sawdust. They oxygenate the blood. The efficacious, beneficial mushroom. Uh, in the Himalayas, they and call then them somebody, let's say I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and I want to take your um, 
uh, how would you call it? Would you call it elements? Would you call it? Well, it's more simple. Like there are companies that grow those mushrooms. There are companies that want the raw materials out of those mushrooms. The problem they have is the source, the spore. The original piece to grow a whole farm of those mushrooms needs to come from somewhere. And it usually takes a guy in the woods to find one. He puts it in a Petri dish, preserves it, and hopes that people buy it from him before it dries out. Mm. What we're trying to solve is if we find something unique like that in nature, we preserve it, we clone it, and we have it ready almost like in a vending machine so that when that company in Colorado wants to grow a million pounds of cordyceps, they don't have to go search for little garages and amateur refrigerators that have it. They come to us as the supplier, the spore bank. Because those scientists probably aren't passionate about getting out into the forest and getting dirty. They want to be in their science uh, environment with their Petri dishes that's sterile and everybody's wearing a white suit type thing. And that's what they want to spend their day doing. Yes. Not Not the first part of the week in the forest and the second part of the week in their lab. So there's an example of the guy that goes and walks the woods looking for mushrooms, the forager. And then there's the, the guy in the lab in the lab coat. What we're trying to do is connect the guy in the woods that finds a mushroom with the guy in the lab with the lab coat. We're, we're the middleman that's going to take that mushroom, put it in a state where it's lab friendly, and send it to the lab. Now, if the lab finds some benefits in that, they're going to give us that back data and tissue, and we're going to distribute it to farms and people who want it. So we want to be the segue between the woods and the lab. Okay, far enough. Hey, we're up against a a commercial break. Hold that thought. I want you to repeat that when we come back. But we got to have a word from two of our sponsors that help bring this show live to you. So what do you say, Johnny? Bring up those sponsors. Hey, everybody. Are you familiar with the ship that doesn't sink? It's called Partnerships. Brought to you every week, we believe in individuality. And that's why you do not want to ever get into a partnership because it's the only ship that doesn't float. We're also brought to you by the bees that don't fly. They're called wannabes. Usually it's where a hostile pitch panel starts hammering somebody who's giving their passionate idea in front of an audience and they ask them questions that the speaker can't answer. That's called wanna be. The bee can't fly. And now we're back into the studio learning about the the world-shaping (laughs) non-recreational use of There you go. That's a good one. I like that. It's a, it's a new statement for me, too, you know, non-recreational use of mushrooms. It's an important thing because I, I do wear a lab coat, but I also go in the woods and I find mushrooms. And um, unfortunately, uh, both groups of people always ask, uh, are you talking about magic mushrooms? Is, is this the conversation we're having right now? And uh, I think non-recreational use is a good buffer to... Uh, Get that out of people's brains. When, Can I just when, decode the giggles that are in the background? Yeah, sure. <laughs> For the audience. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't have mushrooms before this podcast. I had one bang, okay? <laughs> and it's actually not the <laughs> not the the type of bang that I usually drink. It was a, a berry blast. I usually have guess which bang that I drink before I try and do stuff. All I know is those things are full of taurine and sugar. Purple haze. Oh, see. I had one lady at the club one night Matches when I was performing, outfit. and... I put my finger on three words before I started my set. Okay, I had a can of 
And I said, I put my finger on bang, and then the, the type of bang drink it was, purple haze. Finally, a woman that got it, you know? Because hmm. I said, bang, purple haze. Okay. Uh, there we go. Go back. What were you talking about again? Non-recreational use of a mushroom. Yes. Um, I think uh, Americans are not <sighs> raised on mushroom culture. I don't know if you uh, have any friends from Korea, Japan, or China. Yes, Japan. Shiitake. So Japan, particularly from birth, you're raised on mushrooms in your food and a plethora of different mushrooms. So when you hear the word mushroom as a Japanese child, you don't think of one mushroom like Americans think of portobello or the Mario Brother mm-hmm. m- mushroom. They have this broad view of, oh, mushrooms are a multiplicity of things that we eat and and have. Americans, unfortunately, get this emoji, the the red mushroom with the white dots, the Amanita, uh, which is from Mario Brothers, but it's also, like, that's where I learned about it as a kid. But it it really detracts from the fact that there's food and medicine and a whole culture built on fungi that the Americans are really deprived of because of the portobello and and that emoji mushroom. Well, I have 11 years in Japan total time, and there's actually a cartoon heroic figure called Shiitake Man. Yeah. And he's always solving the problem, solving the drama, which really builds up. But uh, definitely not portobello, right? And, And really, like, the shiitake mushroom is good for you. It's not just protein like the portobello but it has nutrients in it that could like remove your tumors and and really help stomach yeah. problems and different things like that and do you, do, it makes you wonder why do Japanese people live over a hundred we have the more centurions in Japan than yeah. anywhere Okinawa probably because of that mushroom diet it really is a good immune system tool to fight bacteria and viruses your whole life until they adopt American culture and eat our food. Yeah, you then get they start dying in their 70s and 60s like we do. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. America's like a chemical food society mm-hmm. since the 50s and 40s and it's it's the preservative thing and then, you know, fungi like I said earlier makes you think of moldy things like maybe moldy bread or mold on your toes. Yeah. It's it's because it's the thing that breaks things down. Mm-hmm. And America has got this backwards chemical culture of preserving food, like the McDonald's burger that will last for 20 years and not mold. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why won't fungus eat a McDonald's cheeseburger after 20 years? It's the preservatives. That's what it's doing to your body. And we need to have a good relationship with fungi because we we could eat it for 100 years and live to 100 years healthily, or we could not eat it and live on chemicals and we'll die at 40 and mushrooms yeah. will be eating us in the ground. Yeah. So it, it's a lifestyle choice. Yeah. Um, let's, let's switch uh, tracks a little bit. We talked about uh, the nutritional benefit of non-portobello mushrooms. When I asked earlier why we shouldn't eat portobello mu- mushrooms, did I hear you correctly when it says because they grow, they're the only mushrooms that grow off of dead things? Is that true? All of their their cousins, that master species, the kingdom that a portobello is a part of, mm-hmm. they're called secondary decomposers. They have a very scientific name, but basically portobellos and mushrooms like portobellos eat things in the ground. They decompose them 
So that's their job in nature. They break down the dead deer carcass. They break down the insect bodies. You know, a bunch of worms die in the ground for whatever reason. A portobello mushroom will eat that. That's what they're good at. They break that down into soil so that plants can now eat those nutrients out of the soil. But the shiitake grows on wood. It, in a sense, is breaking the wood down, but it is pulling the oils out of the wood. It is decomposing the wood which is a hardwood which is going to take a lot longer than decomposing some fleshy thing in the ground so all of them are decomposers but the wood ones are doing it in a way that those are the ones that have the most nutrition when the portobello is because woods don't get toxic so much like a dead carcass pretty much okay it's because of bacteria and virus Mm -hmm. trees are very immune from those things but a carcass is not yeah the, the, the bacteria and virus and fungi all work together to do their jobs. They they break things down. They eat things. All of us eat things. Fungus are just the most efficient eating machine on Earth. Mm. They've been eating the rock and turned it into soil long before anything else was alive on the planet. Okay. Um, within shiitake, because when I was in Japan, I thought that was the word for mushroom, mm. but... It's just a type, right? Yes, yeah. There's other types in Japan that grow, right? Yep. But pretty much not portobello. They do, but they wouldn't call them that. Um, they would be like a cousin of a portobello, like a button mushroom. You know, there's many names in Japan and, and in China and in English for the same mushroom. Mm. But that's where the science is missing, the taxonomy, what is what. We know the difference between a poodle and a German Shepherd. They're visually obvious. But unfortunately, a portobello does look a little bit like a, um, a death cap, a white mushroom that will kill you. Uh-huh. And, and it takes a little bit of expertise to look at those two white mushrooms that have almost the same shape and go, that one is food, that one is poison. Um, a poodle does not look like a German Shepherd. Well, a shiitake does not look like a portobello, yeah. but there are portobellos that do look like poisonous mm-hmm. button mushrooms. So the the science and the words and the identification of them is the biggest problem with fungi is because, um, you know, a cannabis plant obviously does not look like a tomato plant or, or a hops and barley plant, mm-hmm. you know, like hops and cannabis and tomatoes are cousins of each other. But tomatoes and cannabis and hops look very different and taste very different, but they're related. It took someone years to go, well, they're related, but they're different. The same thing is happening in the mushroom industry. So would it be fair to say that the bad mushrooms in Japan didn't get the take added to the name. That's so it. they were just That's named what the word means. The yeah. first yes. part of the word. I yes. can't say it because this is a PG-13 rated yeah. podcast. Yeah. But I do have an interesting story to share about Beethoven. Yeah. I was in Chicago in December and I... Did I tell you the story no. about Beethoven? No. Okay. He was found... He died gripping his writings of his great works, his poetry, his music... And someone asked, why did he want to die holding his writings? And the answer was, he wanted to die also the great decomposer. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. Okay. Your mushroom drugs are getting better. All right. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, We are going to take a little uh, commercial break. We have a great advertisement for you because happening this summer around June of 2023 in the 
city and state of San Antonio, Texas is going to be the first ever cybersecurity academy called CyberWorks because in the world of cybersecurity there's known as this odd species of analysts of certification and degree peacocks. They have these beautiful resumes. They are great on interviews, but then the company hires them and they can't solve a problem. And that's going to be the focus of CyberWorks. They are going to solve problems. They will be given degree and certification level instruction, but the focus will not be on passing tests, but passing a lab designed by yours truly, Purple Haze. We'll have more to say about CyberWorks Cyber Academy a little bit later on, but we're going to hear now now back from our two sponsors before we get back to Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> and now it's another word from your lovely sponsor, your motivating entrepreneur, the bees that can't fly, wannabes. And we're also brought to you by the ships that don't float called partnerships. And now back live in the studio. Take it away, Morgan. So uh, one thing I would love to talk about is what we're actually building at my company, Microsoft. What if I don't want to talk about that? Well, I kind of dig my jokes, man. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. You to, look nervous. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm trying to raise money. Are you, you cold? Know? So it's it's always a nervous thing to start a business from scratch. So um, I've actually been trying to build this company efficiently since 2014, and it's only in the last year or two that I've put some structure to it. And so um, that's why you know I'm talking to dudes like you about it. Yeah. So. Um, if you had three needs, there's probably more needs that you have. I'm a very needy person. But if you have, and you know, we never want to come across, especially in the dating world, as needy. Yeah. But concerns or things that would accelerate your progress, could you tell me three of them in 90 seconds, Morgan? Mm, you don't want to be needy in the investment world either. Um, I think the best want that a company could have is good people. The, the biggest problem I've dealt with um, is finding good people. People of quality, people of skill, people of, uh, I think, maybe we're in an economic situation where some of the best people in the world are hiding under rocks and uh, we have robots and AI replacing everyone's jobs. So. Um, being surrounded by good people is the lifeblood of a business, especially an efficient business. Well, what do you mean about... Um, That's my first ask. Is, is, is what? People. People. Yeah. You need employees? You need... What do you need, people? Uh, well, you know, a, a business usually wants money. And if you had an unlimited checkbook or a Black American Express card where you just had unlimited funds, you would incentivize the best people in the world to come work for you. Mm -hmm. And that's not how a startup exists. You need uh, people who are willing to sacrifice some of their time for lack of money. What, what type of like technical people, uh, artistic, what, what, what do you need? Well, the company that I envision 100 years from now would have all of those types of people you can imagine. Right now, we would need 
developers and mycologists. We're building computer software hardware that talks to fungi. So we need fungal experts, mycologists, but we also need software hardware computer experts. In the long run, um, Microsoft to me is going to be a platform for farmers, for scientists, for chemists, for material design people, for artists, because fungi is so broad ranging, it will touch every one of those subjects and industries. So if I had uh, a budget to pay a thousand people today, I would hire someone from all of the walks of life. But today I need someone who can write code, who can solder, and who knows how to grow mushrooms in a petri dish? Those okay. are the three core skills of a person. Is that, that is that documented where? Does anybody is it posted? Can somebody find out? You go to your website. Uh, we haven't publicly asked for that because, really, the next thing that would be asked for is uh, business partners. Investment strategy is important. I'm not going to want to hire people until I can pay them. Yeah. And at the moment. Uh, me and three other partners are this company, so it's not just me anymore. And the incentives to keep those two other people going is equity in the company mm -hmm. until investment is given to that equity where we can borrow money, we can um, build the liquidity machine to pay out interns and pay out engineers because right now we're contracting third-party companies. You've, had, to you've had a fascinating career. You've, you've done IT, you've done various types of technologies, yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, of course, the lab goes without saying. Do you still have an ecosystem of people that you know on LinkedIn? I do, I do. Okay. And, and like I do have um, a longevity in the Bitcoin industry, and I do have the third largest... Uh, Bitcoin company by following on LinkedIn. And, and why I ask that, are the, do, let, let's just say of each space that you've been involved with, you were even involved with the government, Yeah. Um, are there at least two or three people in each of those verticals that know what you're doing? Oh, right 100%. Now? Yeah, yeah, okay. 100%. So have you ever thought of just interviewing them and just saying, you know, giving them the equity talk or at least let them know your vision and how... There's, there's, pr there's probably an opportunity around the door. I have in subtle ways, but I'm getting to the point now that I have enough structure to do that more formally. Mm. Um, actually, this incubator that the company and me were in recently helped put a lot of structural integrity into the company, mm. especially planning and dealing with people. Um, this was the first time I had a lot of face-to-face uh, presentations of the company's goals. Um, it makes you think about pivoting. What's the company's best product and service to make money? And in the long run, I have to model this as a whole new concept, not really compare it to the things of like Google and Ford and Apple, but compare it to um, Intel inventing the computer chip or compare it to Carnegie finding oil. Yeah. It's it's not just a company to me. It's an industry level change. It's going to be the yeah, thing that disruptor. makes the horse not want to be our transportation mode anymore. A fungi will, will disrupt so much that it, it I have to take a step back and go, what's the best way to make money doing this and without shooting ourselves in the foot that that's all we're going to do for the industry. Because okay. I believe that um, all of those tools are needed to help all of the industries that touch fungi 
And what I know is first to market, there's no one building these tools, at least the way I envision they should yeah, be built. Exactly. Good. So was that two things so far or just one? People, definitely money. Mm -hmm. And the, the third... With, with money, okay. How much by what timeline? All of the money by yesterday. But um, in reality... We've done two pitches which floated between 500000 and $5 million, depending on the amount of shares we do an evaluation mm -hmm. with. Um, I'm not naive of the venture capitalist world because of what I did with Bitcoin over the years. I did a lot of presentations to VCs, mm -hmm. and I know that Uber was a $120 billion valuation and still to this day is not profitable. So the people that hand money to new businesses in good times of the economy are not concerned about profits. They're concerned about the public's view of this thing. Um, Uber is going to have self-driving cars one day. They don't care that their drivers aren't making money now. They're going to be a, a, a world-changing thing. Yeah. That's why they had an evaluation and they're unprofitable. To me, Microsoft has that same potential of being world-changing because of fungi, and the profitability has to be expressed to someone who wants to give money like this is an evaluation long-term hundred-year plan if you want us to make money here's some short-term things that can make money but really our equity is worth something and that's the long-term way to make money in my opinion okay before we get to our third item is uh, uh, and we'll have this added to the bottom of the link in YouTube, but could you share with the listeners, you have a website where people yeah. could read along with your vision? Yeah, Microsoft.org. And, and spell that for me. M-Y-C-O-S-O-F-T dot O-R-G. Microsoft.com. Yeah. Okay. Dot org. Oh, dot org. Yeah. Uh, dot org. We, we, we're not going to pay for the dot com until we get money. Yes. Because yes. the dot coms are very stupidly expensive in the time and age. Yeah, but .org. We're an organization. Um, mm -hmm. We haven't made a profit. We're, we're considered a scientific R&D organization at the moment. I've structured the company as a Delaware C Corp, as LLCs. We have, a, we have entities to build an investment package out of the company. But um, when, you, when you have .com, it, it's commercial. It's making profit over the Internet. And when you have .org, it's really marketed as... Um, an organization that's not making money. So that's kind of just the the best way to start the company that way in the, in, in the Internet world. Also, um, we have the trademark of Microsoft, so we could get the .com by some letter one day. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we, we definitely don't want Microsoft to be upset and, yeah. and sue us, so the trademarking world is important. But um, I believe that word really embodies what the company is doing. We're building the software and hardware Excellent. that works for mycology. So there, myco, M-Y-C-O-S-O-F-T, mycosoft.org. So the number third item? Um changing the, the, third, the not the number third. changing the perspective of fungi so the marketing mm -hmm. i think is the the third most important thing that we have to tackle as an organization uh, we just had the most popular tv show in human history the last of us more watched than any show ever which is about the cordyceps fungus mutating and turning humans into zombies 
So the whole world that have never heard of that mushroom, the word mycologist was put into the show. Oh. So now the common Can man. Can somebody go watch that show right now? Yeah, it's on We're HBO, HBO Max. Only HBO? Yeah, okay. it's their, uh, their series. They specifically made at their studios. Okay. So um, it gives a little bit of a mycophobia boost where people are afraid of fungus. It could turn you into a zombie. Mm. And so it's kind of done a little bit of a negative thing to the marketing of fungus, but it's also put the word fungi, mycology, mushroom in front of millions of people across the planet in a good way because all publicity is good publicity. The, the problem that we have to tackle is, as scientists and tool makers, why do you want to use our tools? Mm-hmm. Um, imagine the gold miners and Levi Strauss in 1849 telling people, you need our shovels. You need our jeans. You need our pickaxes. Why? Because there's gold out there that you want to dig up. Mm-hmm. They already knew that. The hype of the gold rush was there. The tool people took advantage of that and made more money on the tools than the gold. Mm-hmm. If that hype wasn't there, no one would have bought jeans and mm-hmm. shovels and pickaxes. So we have the shovels, the pickaxes, and the jeans we're building. The, the hype is starting, but we also have to do the marketing game to make people want to have these tools for a certain reason, whether it's food or medicine or money. Um, Because I really think I understand what you're doing and what you're going to provide for the non... If there even is an industry of non-recreational use for mushrooms, I mean the nutrition, but there's fuel, there's... Decomposing is actually use, right? I mean, every pharmaceutical you've ever heard about at some point interacted with fungus, whether it's made by fungus, tested on fungus, or is a byproduct of a fungus. So on your website, are there any videos or any diagrams that show from the forest to the consumer where you're in the middle with this database? Do you have any such thing like that? Um, That way somebody can get the full chain of events. Um, in the scientific literature, there are things like that, but our company is not put in that chain okay. yet. But that that definitely is something I will work on to visualize. Because I really dig this, and that's that way. When I explain it to people, I have that because I think in pictures. Yeah, and, and like I I could show you a million charts of uh, yeah. a, a spore to a mushroom to someone bringing it to a lab, and so I do need to make some visual aids to kind of inject that and and go, okay, no, we need. Uh, this middleman to be the segue between the forager and the lab because that's where the money is in convenience. Um, A guy that finds a mushroom in the woods is very much not going to go to a lab and put it in a Petri dish for him. Well, let's say you have somebody who's not technical. He's, let's say, a retired Marine about 58 years old and he can't read very well but he just thinks in pictures is something like that anywhere on your website with your branding available that way maybe he has an 8 year old close to him who who could maybe look at your website and then and then transfer the knowledge to that retired marine potentially potentially and and uh, it's going to be something we're going to constantly be working on that that visual marketing, not just me explaining and other mycologists like me explaining the importance, the brand and the visual 
education of the public is an important thing, and that's something I have been working on, and I will continue to be working on it as an entity because that's that's our third job. It's it's not necessarily to ask. It's it's almost a responsibility. It's our responsibility to get good people. It's our responsibility to get money. And then the third responsibility is to make sure the public is aware of us mm -hmm. and, and what we're doing. Good. So I, I would say our asks are our responsibilities. Uh, if we don't succeed in good people, good money, and good marketing, um, the benefits of fungi are going to be lost upon many people on the planet. Okay. We have about five minutes left. Uh, we might go over that. I don't know. But let's, let's, let's get off the mushroom world okay and let's let's let the, our audience know a little bit about you okay you you were raised uh with uh, your dad was a marine yep uh you went out into government but you were techie from the jump because your grandpa was yep. an electrical engineer yep. so you got the the STEM, the, I would say the TEAMS, because you're a musician as well, right? Yep, yep, yep. TEAMS is the acronym, Technology, Engineering, Arts, Math, and Science. Um, you have guitars in your room here, your office. So let the audience just know like, about you. Well, um, I, I've, I very much find myself uh, rooted in military life because my mom was the daughter of a, a Navy electrical engineer. My dad was a Marine, so my home was structured in the military way in, in how I spoke to my parents, how routine was done, uh, where we went to go watch baseball games, where I bought my first Nintendo was from the Navy Exchange. So uh, I'm immersed in the military world. Have you been around the world? Unfortunately, no. I have oh. been around the entire Pacific Rim. So okay. I, United States-wise, I have lived What's in... that, like Okinawa, Japan? No, I, I mean, at least statewide, I've lived in Hilo, Hawaii. Okay. I've lived in uh, Waianae, Hawaii. I've lived in Kodiak, Alaska. I've lived in North California, Portland, Oregon, Washington, San Diego, oh, San Francisco. Okay. The entire yeah. United States touching the coastline, mm -hmm. I've been there. Okay. And spent many months of each place in years there. So I've lived in Las Vegas for 10 years, actually. It's where I ran my, my Bitcoin business previously because of the tax environment yeah. and because of the gaming world where money and gambling meshed well. Mm. So um, the military life kept me here, but it was are technology say, that let me are leave. Are you not to say gambling anymore? Don't they call it gaming? Gaming? Yeah. Um, oh my God, no, I, I, I still consider it gambling because I was raised in a generation where video games and gaming is a very different <laughs> industry. You know, if exactly. you play Fortnite and you're on Twitch and you're getting paid to do that, you're a gamer. But if you're playing craps and roulette or you're a dealer, um, it's different than being a drug dealer than dealing dice and, and roulette balls. Exactly. So the words are important still I think it's gambling forever and, and Ben Siegel and all of the guys that built the Flamingo in Las Vegas would call it gambling so yeah. I call it gambling Far up. okay um, how about three words that describe you <sighs> hmm I'm that's not the first one no I'm very curious uh, curious yes uh, my entire life I wanted to be the first guy on Mars and it wasn't because I'm trying to go kill myself on another planet or because I love adrenaline. Or so that's the first word, curious. curious. Let, let, let's get, we're almost at the end of our time here. Second word. Angry. Curious, 
angry. Okay. I've been very angry at the the way the world structures work, business structures, government structures, science structures, and I would say that's my biggest motivation in business to change some of those things, improve their designs. Okay. Number three. I think curious, angry, and optimistic. Okay. Very optimistic about the potential of the future. Technology has never scared me. It has always made me look forward to Tomorrowland. Spent enough time at Disneyland thinking that that was the way the whole world was going to be, was Tomorrowland with spaceships and monorails and vegetable gardens walking down the sidewalk. And uh, there's some places in the world that are like that, but the, the majority is not yet. And I think that falls on the entrepreneur to do that. Yeah. So I feel responsible by thinking that way that I have to do some of those things. Having known you maybe close to three months now, two months, whatever, uh, I would add a word. Uh, uh, actually, two words. Accomplished and competent. Because, I appreciate that. Because <laughs> a couple, you know, I would say at least two minutes before this podcast, I went over your biography so I would come in here so well-informed. And that's what I get out of all those different job experiences. Yeah. You didn't stay cozy in a cubicle, the same thing. Never. You pivoted, you started with nothing, and you uh, produced excellence. And that says a lot about you. And I think really needs to get communicated to somebody that wants to invest in your company about Maybe they don't want to know about all your experiences and details, but they can at least know those two words. Those two words light up in their head. Yeah. You, you have accomplished something. You've worked well, you know, unsupervised, which is probably your best. It's a good skill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, you produce results. So yeah. I've, I've enjoyed uh, visiting with you this afternoon. I appreciate it. And uh, once again, could you say the website where people can find out the uh, world-changing use of non-recreational... What would you like to say? Non-recreational use of fungi or mushrooms? Um, All fungi at some point would be a mushroom. It's kind of like saying all canines are dogs they're very similar words okay Okay. um a a portobello over a shiitake is a poodle over a german shepherd but they're all canines they're all dogs they're all fungi they're all mushrooms um when it's not mushroom it's in the ground as mycelium when it decides to reproduce it grows into mushroom so those words mean something but to generalize to the public what this thing is. I think fungi, even though it sounds like a very clinical medical word, dirty. it's got to be the word yeah. that needs to be remarketed to the world because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. We don't call dogs fish. They're dogs. Yeah. And, and all mushrooms are fungi. And whether it's mold, mildew, mushroom, it's all fungi. I think I like fungi better. So we'll, we'll leave it at that, okay? Sure. Are we going to talk again on, on a yeah, podcast? anytime. Because the, the world needs to know your message. Yeah. Okay? And that's, that's what I'm here th- to do. This so. will be one method is our, is our podcast. It's been great working with you. I, thank and, you for having uh, me, man. If you were in the studio with us right now, you would see us hugging, shaking hands. like We're just like bonding like total bros. So do you have any closing words to say? 
Well, you smell nicer than me, so I appreciate it. Yeah, your lovely secretary said that, too. Boy, I was about ready to forget about the caucus. Um, I was, like, totally distracted. You know what I'm saying? I, I would advise everyone, if they've never heard about mushrooms or fungi really in detail, to go watch two things. Fantastic Fungi, which we'll talk about the beautiful benefits and the science of fungi. And then go watch the entire show, The Last of Us, which will show the horrific side effects of not knowing what fungi is. How about the blob? You ever seen that movie? About that red slime? Pretty much, that's a fungi. Yeah. You know? That was a great movie. What's the movie where the plant... Uh, eat me! Seymour? What was that? The The... the the talking plant where he eats the guys, the giant, you know, it's from, know, from the 80s. All I can't remember, remember. The blob. That was classic 60s. All, all of those slime. monsters, they got fungi in there. That's yeah. my point. So. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for our time. We're brought to you once a week, once a month. We'll figure it all out. We're brought to you by the bees that don't fly, wannabes. And we're also brought to you by, do you remember our other sponsor? I just forgot. Uh, it was the ships that don't yeah. float yeah. called partnerships. Yeah. Thank you. We'll see you on the next time. See you later.